Conversations from the front lines of recruiting. This is Higher Side Chats. Join us as we delve into the world of recruitment and explore the latest trends, challenges, opportunities, and insights from the best in the business. Get inspired by industry veterans and discover the secrets to building powerful talent functions from their experiences. Whether you're a CEO, a seasoned HR professional, a growing business looking to scale, or someone just starting in the field, there's something for everyone. Ready for the ultimate recruitment power-up? Let's go! Hello, this is your host, Sajji, and welcome to another episode of Hireside Chats, a Diamond Pick exclusive podcast that brings together insights, news, and views from the front lines of recruiting. Listen as we discuss a timely, relevant, and an important topic for today's workforce. Most of the world's population spends one-third of their lives at work. When work is fulfilling, you feel engaged, valued, and productive. When work is stressful, you feel anxious, stressed, or even depressed. The pandemic took a heavy toll on the global psyche, with almost a billion people having reported anxiety, stress, or depression. One in five adults experience mental illness each year, which means that either you or someone you know has been impacted. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and it has never been more important than now to recognize that mental health can affect anyone. We need to normalize mental health conversations and create workplace environments that are psychologically safe and supportive. Through this podcast, we want to amplify the message that all people, no matter where they are on their mental health journey, are deserving of support, resources, fulfillment, and a community that cares. In this episode, I'm glad to welcome Dr. Srividya, Professor, Head Psychologist, Behavioral Therapist, and a Transformational Coach at MindWell, and a Senior Consultant Psychologist at Mindscape Counseling. Dr. Srividya will help us clarify the big questions that surround mental health and provide actionable insights for us on a professional level to confront the stigma surrounding this topic and how to prioritize mental health in the workplace. Dr. Srividya is a passionate and influential academician, counselor, speaker and an entrepreneur. Instrumental in formulating the framework for many successful psychology programs at corporates, NGOs, colleges, and more. Her years of expertise in mental health care, human behavior, counseling, and numerous certifications keep her ahead of the latest developments and the demands of the changing times. She is an integral part of the first cohort of women entrepreneurs trained by NCW in partnership with the Indian Institute of Management, Bangalore, to create a one-of-its-kind product, AI for mental health to prevent suicides. Hello, Dr. Vidya, and welcome to Higher Side Chats. Yeah, thanks, Satish. It's great to be here, and thanks for the wonderful introduction. Mental health in the workplace, it is at the top of everyone's mind. It is estimated that 264 million people are affected by mental health globally. The pandemic, the lockdown, and other disruptions that came with it have made the mental health situation more acute. The pandemic was the most traumatic event that most of us have lived through. And post-pandemic is not any better. A study by McKinsey found that one of every three employees say their return to the workplace has had a negative impact on their mental health. 
many are feeling anxious, stressed or depressed. And those working hybrid or remotely feel isolated or are experiencing some form of burnout. So, doctor, we have transitioned from the great resignation to the great exhaustion phase. So, what according to you has led to this phenomenon and what can we do about it? Well, Satish, organizations at large were earlier concerned about employees quitting in mass numbers, while the real setback being great exhaustion truly. It's because people are largely overwhelmed that they feel often empty. Factors could range from structural issues around pay, gender biases, disrespect at work, unprecedented levels of unpaid work, lower incomes to higher stress levels, and worse mental health in general. So it's a constant internal battle, and this is largely prominent in women, unfortunately. They lack the motivation than their male counterparts, extremely fatigued. So these are the red flags. So a large focus on mental health has to be the top priority for the organizations. And Doctor, in your opinion, how much does the hybrid work environment contribute to burnout, stress or anxiety? Initially, there was a feeling that hybrid would be the best of both the worlds. Everybody were looking forward for that. But unfortunately, optimism among workers soon gave way to fatigue. In a hybrid work environment, they got two workplaces to maintain, one in the office and one at home. It involves a lot of planning and stop-start routine, taking the laptop to office every day and remembering where they have placed the important things. So it's the psychological shift, the change of setting every day, and that was so tiring. So this constant feeling of never being settled, that becomes stressed and the uh, productive homeworking always being disrupted. Employees also felt that difficulty switching off from work and struggling to adapt to hybrid. And the major factor was the permeable boundaries between the home and the work. Employees end up with a working week they have no control over. It's like the fixed full-time office, which just happens to be in the worker's home twice a week. And also hybrid work comes with a greater risk of digital presentism compared to fully remote jobs, which imply like the employer trust from the get-go. If an employer sets up the hybrid without trusting their workforce, it's again a total overwhelming feeling. Workers feel pressure to show their boss they are not taking advantage of home working. So that could also lead to overwork and burnout. So the effects of which could be devastating, but take a long time to even show up. Uh, so even after working for long hours, the employer feels like the employer hasn't done their due. Then the feelings of overwhelm is quite understandable for anybody. Uh, doctor, you did allude to the fact that uh, the Indian working women face higher burnout than the than the global average. And, and this is kind of corroborated by a survey conducted by Deloitte. Another disturbing statistic states that 92% of women reported menopausal symptoms and that affected them at work. And many experience increased stress at various stages of their lives. Women at the peak of their careers often receive no support because, you know, people just don't understand this aspect. And hence, they suffer a lot of emotional trauma, sometimes leading them to quit. So what do you think, Doctor, are some of the ways all of us can support mental health women? See, women face unique mental health challenges and may experience mental illness differently than their male co-workers. So the list of challenges affecting women is so long. Uh, for one, women are prone to certain diagnoses. They are twice as likely as men to experience depression. And also, apart from that, pay inequity, caregiving responsibility, and biases at workplace are among the most contributing risk factors to common mental health condition. 
and also not overlooking on infertility and postpartum depression that also affects many women physical and emotional caregiving roles such as daughters mothers colleagues and even leaders result in heavier burdens then there's being underrepresented in leadership at work juggling uh, parental leave and also having office housekeeping roles so many of these challenges are largely invisible since women may be reluctant to discuss them at all much less at work at these up you know it's no surprise that gender adds another layer of complexity to workplace mental health the structures and systems of most companies were built with men in mind i believe you know i'm pretty sure that you will be agreeing to this so many women may not be inclined to disclosing a mental health challenge so for women audience if they are listening to this i would want to tell you if you are a woman struggling with your mental health at work or if you are a leader who wants to create that mentally healthy environment for your female employees i would really love to give you some recommendations here so reflect on your needs first think through the nature of your mental health and your specific challenge is it chronic episodic or a one time event consider the contributing factors are they work related or limited to your personal life is there a gender specific component like child care or workplace discrimination so that might make you more reluctant to discuss the problem at work be clear about the effects is your mental health challenge affecting your work performance and also find allies and safe spaces see allies can help you see that mental health challenges can be useful for developing workplace strengths combined with added difficulty of navigating gender at work allies can teach you empathy and resilience they can also spur creativity and can fuel your ambition it's like you know you can also talk to your manager if you need accommodations for your mental health or have suggestions that could benefit everyone talk to your manager power dynamics are at play sometimes made more pronounced by gender so you may fear putting already hard to come by promotion in jeopardy or bothering yourself with the mental health challenge but then you have to really open up evaluate the culture so you shouldn't have to jeopardize your mental health to earn a living fortunately companies are realizing that more and more as employee priorities around mental health play out through recruitment and retention so it's okay to walk away from work if that isn't working so there was one mental health at workplace report they felt like more than 50% of uh, people quit citing reasons for mental health and that's a very good move when they feel their mental health is a priority and leaders should always support women's mental health unless we are in positions of power you know there is only so much that an individual women can do to advocate for our mental health so leaders must rectify structural issues that harm women such as pay inequity insufficient parental leaves and lack of consequences for microaggressions or harassment and last but not the least i would want to include even foster inclusive flexibility try to incorporate it in the policies and practices every woman and every individual will need something different be it remote work or flexible hours so be sure to re revisit this with your direct reports since shifts happen over time and with life changes so reorienting to support women's mental health at work will ultimately benefit everyone no matter whether it's a new dad who want to be more involved parents to genders who are expecting flexibility by default hopefully there will come a time when we won't have to separate out the needs of a woman but instead will have achieved true culture change and inclusion thanks uh, uh, dr those were very valuable suggestions you know i recently read a microsoft work trend index study that shows that uh, at 29% india has a second highest number of employees dealing with corporate burnout 
Eight out of ten workers with a mental health condition say shame and stigma prevent them from seeking help. The biggest hurdle standing in the way of people getting help for their mental health issues is the surrounding stigma. And and I think you also pointed out to that and how important it is for leaders to step up and recognize this the stigma that is surrounding these issues. And while companies have started to advocate for uh, mental health in the past few years, the culture still have subtle cues of prejudice that make it difficult for workers to truly open up and get help. So in such a situation, what uh, according to you must organizations do to uh, destigmatize mental health and normalize conversations around it at work, uh, doctor? See, I would really recommend that organizations must create an environment that normalizes open conversations around mental health. It must start at the top with leadership taking the first step and being transparent and honest about their own struggles. It's not like nobody is immune to this. Everybody is prone to at some point or the other. If a leader can discuss about his diabetes or a hypertension, why not speak about psychological disturbances, if any? If leadership doesn't model this behavior, you know, employees will likely hide any issues of their own in an effort to mimic their superiors naturally. So leading with empathy and listening when employees are low is essential to creating shifts within a company's culture. That change alone can make an impact on how mental health is seen and addressed in the workplace. So some employees would be more likely to seek mental health support if there were more open conversations on the topic in their workplace. And humanizing yourself shows employees that they're not alone in the process and that others have also been through similar struggles. So this goes a long way toward removing the shame or the stigma. So through transparent and honest communication, employees who feel uncomfortable with mental health can see them, uh, themselves through others' experiences, which can be comforting and healing. So kindly join hands to break the stigma and seek effective treatments to live productive and fulfilling lives. Thank you, Doc. And, and can you share some good examples of what other organizations are currently doing to provide the best mental health programs for the employees? I know in your organization, you work with several corporates and you've been giving you know these best-in-class mental health programs for their employees. So some examples of what organizations are doing will benefit our viewers, uh, Doctor. Few organizations adopted creating mental ambassadors within the organization. Uh, they run support groups, run regular group sessions on those topics which are brushed under the carpet, feeling like they're not so comfortable ones to talk about fearing stigma around. And also peer support is a powerful lever to reduce stigma as well. You can incorporate mind-body sessions at work that will be very fruitful and calming for both body and mind. Such sessions give them a mental clarity and also body awareness and sharpen their concentration. So when the entire organization is engaged, they will engage themselves for a cause. That particular cause will come into the limelight. In this case, you know, that is the mental health as a whole. So keeping employees happy while making them aware of mental health molds them to mentally and physically healthy individuals. So I think organizations have to not have a second thought about it, but immediately start incorporating this. Right. Data from the World Health Organization has estimated that uh, 12 billion working days are lost every year due to depression and anxiety alone. And this is costing the global economy almost a trillion dollars. Organizations are trying to deal with symptoms of great exhaustion and anxiety by switching to four-day week, offering mental health support, introducing mental health days, and so on. But these measures are often tokenistic rather than things that lead to real change. So, Doctor, almost all organizations today, while they have an EAP or an employee assistant program in place, how do we take these programs up a notch 
to make them all work for us. See, we even have those at Diamond Pick and we see less than 5% utilization for our own EAP program. So how do we make these EAP programs work for all of us? Yeah, as I said, you said even your organization is within that 3 to 5% less than that bracket. It's because, Hannes, as a leader, how many of your leaders really take up sessions in front of their peer group? Most of the organizations, it's like ticking the box. It's not in the real sense. So the current challenge is though organizations are implementing mental well-being program for their employees, a lot more promotions from the organizations have to be formulated to create more holistic growth and development. Employee well-being programs are beneficial to both the employer and employees as happier people can really contribute to more enhanced performances holistically. So promotion of mental health in the workplace is all the more relevant in the context of a nearly universal market economy in which the pace of economic activities is fast, contractual relationships start and terminate at short notice, and international competition is intensified. But globalization has opened up new opportunities for powerful and dynamic development and growth of the world economy. But it does not benefit every person or region in the world equally. So the key elements that globalization has brought are increasing automation, rapid implementation, you know, IT, and the need for more flexible and responsive work method. So workers worldwide confront as never before an array of new organization structures and processes which can affect their mental health. So these include the typical layoffs, uh, mergers, downsizing, contingent employment, and increased workload. So to guarantee the best results in international competition. So it is the interest of the employers to provide their employees with decent working condition. And culture change requires both a top-down and bottom-up approach to succeed. So workplace mental health is no different. And uh, to create a mentally healthy ecosystem has to be prioritized with all the stakeholders. I know for most of the people, mental health is fashionable right now and every company wants to jump in. But do you realize that something like this needs a long-term commitment even from the employer as well? It's not only from the organizations who are partnered with them for mental health services. Uh, organizations do show interest, but then it takes a backseat as a least priority. If there is a cost cutting, the first thing to cut down or limit the budget is only for the wellness programs. So if they could see it in a different perspective, EAP services will really be uh, successful in any organizations. No, I agree with you. And, and I think uh, from EAP, being a good to have to a must have is something that uh, needs to happen uh, for mental wellness to truly take off at workplaces. And also, doctor, there's a sudden emergence of several mental health apps and many mental health experts are out there. Today, pretty much everybody gives gyan on mental health and all they need is, you know, a social media page or a tool to advocate mental wellness. How useful do you think these are and uh, what is your take on the emergence of uh, such health apps? See, truly technology has definitely taken the mental health industry by storm during COVID and post-COVID now. So for those who cannot work with the mental health professional because of a lack of time or resources or accessibility, mental health apps do have some advantages and they do come handy. So at the very best, you know, they can provide with some sort of guidance or support, not denying that, which is better than nothing. At least something is there to start with. Even more promising, they can at least help remove the barriers and stigma surrounding mental health. It's good somebody is trying to approach, at least for an instant relief, you know, like a band-aid approach. Like if you suddenly uh, have a high temperature or a cold, you try to self-medicate. But if it persists, you opt to go to the physician. So it is similar to that. You can 
use these apps there's no doubt in it but it is definitely not a replacement for the traditional therapy and it is definitely not a substitute another concern is understanding if apps work for all kinds of people you know if you just google it you will be able to get uh, so many stress relief techniques but is that the one i am looking for will that work for me okay so that depends on individual to individual and what are the core issues they are struggling with and apart from this what kind of team what is the experience what is the expertise they have in the back end so even that is also a concern so definitely i say it comes handy but then it is not a substitute uh, like you mentioned mental health can affect anyone and and we all need some help and guidance to self care and we did discuss about at least at a superficial level or to begin with some self care is not bad but can you share some practical tips for our listeners on managing our uh, mental health see like uh, how you clean up your desk or you clean up your room every day similarly you have to clean up the space whatever you have accumulated throughout the day i usually say like mind recharge and mind detox so every day morning when you wake up and you know recharge your mind and find a purpose what is there to look forward for the day and when you go to bed in the night detox your mind that is very very important because most of the thoughts are recurring thoughts and 80% recurring so it is better you detox your mind before going to bed so that you don't carry unnecessary unwanted unpleasant things for the next day if you are looking forward for a fresh new day so detox is typically you reflect on yourself whatever has happened throughout the day and allow what has to be stored in your memory and what has to be discarded in this way if you start practicing i believe you're not going to take all those unwanted things into your memory and you'll be free of those racing thoughts and how can one self diagnose how do we know if you are silently suffering from some mental health issue is there some tips that you can share with us on that uh, doctor yeah absolutely see look for changes in your appetite either people overeat or undereat and also look for your sleeping patterns are you suddenly trying to withdraw from people or any frequent outbursts what are the racing thoughts whether it is recurrent whether it is positive or negative and you will also have that constant restlessness fatigue new habit formation most of when people get into those unhealthy habits as coping mechanism getting into substance and faking emotion as though they don't want to reveal so they just show up like everything is fine with me but then they are internally struggling due to stigma Uh, they also uh, get disoriented emotional lambda so these are certain warning signs you can check on yourself you know i just want to talk a little bit about how can we create a psychologically great workplace doctor according to a recent study by google the secret behind high performing employees is psychological safety at the workplace however lack of awareness of the full range of employee mental health experiences is one of the biggest challenges that keep organizations from offering the best support uh, in uh, times of need so how do we make our organizations a safe space and you did discuss this at the beginning of this conversation and how do you think employees at all levels can communicate openly without fear or discrimination and how important is the leadership role in creating a a safe space given the stigma often associated with mental health challenge finding a safe space to tell your story and receive support from allies is a critical step so when we say psychologically safe space it is an absence of interpersonal fear i am not being judged by people around when psychological safety is present people are able to speak up with work relevant content when you create a psychologically safe work environment your employees are more 
likely to feel a sense of belonging. Moreover, such environments often result in positive and supportive work culture by creating an open, appreciative, supportive, and accepting work environment. Like we are sending a message that everybody are cared, we are caring about the people. So this can lead to increased job satisfaction and lower turnout rates as well. So organizations have to train leaders, managers, and all employees on how to navigate metal at that work, have difficult conversations, and create supportive workplaces. So managers are often the first in line in noticing changes and supporting the direct reports. Building an environment of psychological safety is key. Mental health policies, practices, and culturally competent benefits and other resources must be put in place and also sometimes over-communicated. Uh, so create a psychologically safe place to work. For that, I would just tell four steps. Stop seeing mental health as a productivity issue. Mental health is a human concern and not a productivity issue. And number two is stop talking about mental illness as a burden. It is everybody's responsibility. And number three is employers need to end for talent. When we talk about inclusion, it's not about talent anymore. So number four is treat mental health as an inalienable human right. Everybody has a right to live happily. Got it. And and how do you think uh, we can encourage more diversity within the mental health uh, area, Doc? So when we talk about diversity, though we recruit people from diverse backgrounds, the next step is inclusion. It's all about making sure everyone feels welcome, valued, respected, regardless of their background, experiences or ability. I feel I'm in a non-judgmental environment. It's about embracing our unique differences and allowing them to enrich our life and workplaces. You know, to compete for talent, companies will have to make changes as younger generations are increasingly prioritizing their mental health and the work cultures that support. So foster that sense of belonging. So you have to be open-minded and curious. Be curious to learn from one another, share stories and ask questions. That's how we grow and listen actively. It's important to hear what others have to say, validate their experiences and empathize with your feelings. Encourage diversity and diverse group bring fresh perspectives, innovative ideas, and promote creative problem solving. Be an ally, as I've been advocating this right from the beginning. Stand up for others, even if they're not in the room. We are all in this together. So remember, when we create an inclusive environment, we are not only making our workplaces better, we are also making the world a more beautiful, accepting place for everybody to live. Got it. So, Doctor, now it's time for our customary rapid-fire round that brings out some very candid responses. And... And I'll request you to speak your mind, keep your sentences as short as possible, but, you know, make them hard hitting. We are open to taking it. So to start with, my first question to you is, what is the biggest misconception about mental health? Yeah, when somebody comes up and tells like, I have an issue, they are viewed as lunatic who needs an institutionalized care. They don't see them as normal human being. Correct. And what is one of the biggest reasons for mental health issues today? A same comes to my mind now. Where there is too much, something is missing. The typical problem issue today is the flip side abundance mindset. The millennial anxieties that are spoiled for choices today. And that is the main issue. And one mental health mantra that all of us should uh, implement. It's okay to be not okay. Not necessarily I have to be okay all the time. It's okay to be not okay. Well said. And how do you personally cope with uh, tough times, doctor? As I said, mind recharge and re uh, detox. I'm a mindfulness practitioner. So I quickly resolve things and don't carry it to the next day. Okay. And what is your best self-care tip? 
self-love. Allocate time for yourself unconditionally, no matter what. And finally, can you think of a conversation that changed someone's life? And do you think it's worth sharing in this forum? See, typically, I always lead my clients inside out, leading them through the journey of introspection. There have been many people who had come up with suicidal thoughts and who had come with many attempts. And finally, they felt like they have to talk to me. And this journey of introspection had changed their whole perspective. And they felt life is so beautiful. You know, just because of one rejection or one job loss, I don't afford to lose, but I can still conquer and lead a better life. Great. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Doctor. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you, Dr. Suryadeva, for sharing with us your expert advice, practical insights, and a personalized action strategy to ensure that organizations and workforces can work together to combat mental health issues and thrive from the inside out. And to all those who tuned in, thank you for listening to High Side Chats. Remember, it's okay not to be okay. And that seeking help is a sign of strength. Join us next time for another episode as we bring you the latest and the best from the recruitment world. Don't miss a single episode and subscribe to High Side Chats today. Don't forget to leave a review and share on your socials to help us reach as many years as possible. So until next time, take care of yourself and keep working on your mental gains.